you are an individual human being on a different journey from me. However much our our wagons are tied together, you're still an individual. And I don't expect because I have a feeling or a comfort level with something that that necessarily implies that you either do or have to. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Welcome to episode 226. We're Finn and Emma, and today we have a beautiful conversation with Kate and Liam. They were on the show back on episode 20, so a long time ago, and they come on for an update. So long ago, in fact, that we actually interviewed them before the podcast launched. That's true. We did. They we, were like part of the... They were OGs. Right. Exactly. They were some of the OG supporters. So a huge thank you to them. Uh, episode 20 is titled Mike and Kate or Kate and Mike. And Liam talks a little bit about the name change in this episode, but just didn't want anyone to be confused who went back looking for that. Yes. And they also run the blog and podcast, Monogamish Marriage. Links to all of that are in our show notes, and they'll talk about it in the episode as well. But we're so grateful for the amazing work that they're doing. Yeah. And the conversation today about compersion, falling in love for the first time with other people, bisexual men in the lifestyle and in just in general in life and the approach that they take to all of these things is so fucking amazing. Yeah. We're excited. So thank you, Kate and Liam, for being here. And uh, we're going to be on their show coming up soon. So yes. we, we on the same day we recorded this, we recorded a uh, part of an episode for their show that will be coming out soon. So when that comes out, we will let everybody know. Yes. And also another thing, they mentioned a course in this episode uh, that has currently um, been tabled and will co- be coming back to you. So it's not available at the moment. We just want to put that out there, uh, but hopefully soon. Yes. Before we jump into the interview, we do want to do our couple of announcements, mostly about different community event things we have going on. First up, just a huge thank you to the Patreon community. We're, we're over 200 strong now and uh, seems to be hanging out there. So thank you to everybody who's a part of that community who makes it amazing every day. Just a ton of gratitude. If you're interested, it's a couple bucks a month and we have a men's group, a women's group, monthly Q&As. We have an ongoing chat group and all of the information for this can be found on our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Click on the Patreon tab and you'll learn about all the dates and all the information there. Yes. A huge thank you from me as well. We're so grateful for all of you. Also coming up, we do have some virtual events. Well, first is the next virtual meet and greet that's coming up next week on Tuesday, March 15th. Um, We're doing one in the evening. We decided to try a Tuesday. So come join us for a virtual meet and greet. These are open to anyone. All you need to do is be respectful and open-minded. To find out more, go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Click on the community events tab and you'll find out more information there and sign up. And while you're there, you'll see another tab under there for in-person events. We have some exciting in-person events coming up. We have four of them right now in California. We have a pole dance in the in San Francisco. We have a meet and greet in Oakland. We have a meet and greet in San Diego. 
and we have uh, what's called the Art of Play yes. at Balboa Park in San Diego. So those four events are coming up in March and early April. We're super excited about those. And we have a big announcement regarding New Orleans. We're going back to New Orleans in, in September. And the pool party that we announced back in the fall, we are doing on September 17th. Yeah, so we had originally planned to do the pool party in February. We canceled it because of COVID, uh, but we moved it and rescheduled it. It's going to be now, as Finn said, September 17th. We'll have a pool party in New Orleans and we have a high ropes course event as well. Yeah, both events are limited to about 30 to 40 people. So if you're interested in these, definitely sign up. The high ropes is in the morning on September 17th. That's a Saturday morning. And the pool party is in the evening on that Saturday. That Friday, we're going to probably do a meet and greet. And that Sunday, we're working on partnering with somebody in New Orleans that we met while we were there last time who does jello wrestling. Yes. So they've been pulling these together and they have been like pulling in about 70 people for those. So we're hoping to partner with them to make jello wrestling happen. So basically the weekend of September 17th. The is, 16th, 17th, 18th, come to New Orleans, it's join gonna, us. It's going to be awesome. And you'll have a, a hoot and holler and good time as they say, yes. no, nowhere. Anymore. <laughs> a quick reminder, go to our website and reach out to us. There's a contact us button, send us a voicemail, send us an email. We would love to hear back from you. Uh, and also on our website, you can find lots of resources and podcast show notes. And of course, all of the information on Patreon and the events we just talked about. So go check it out. And with that, let's jump in and talk to Kate and Liam and we'll see everybody on the other side. Let's go. Welcome back to the show. Kate finally. And Liam. Finally. Kate and Liam back on the show. We were actually just reminiscing before we started recording that the last time we recorded with you, we actually hadn't launched the podcast yet because right. we still hadn't left for South America and we launched the show almost a month to the date before we left for South America. And we were sitting in our apartment with no furniture in camp chairs on the floor talking to you guys on Zoom. So welcome yeah. back. It's been and since be clear, beginning, since before we launched the show. Yeah, to be clear, you were episode 20 too. So yes. if anyone wants to okay. go back and listen, there's there's that. So welcome back. Thanks for having us. I am sure nothing has changed. <laughs> <laughs> no, the world has, nothing's happened in the world. Well, even <laughs> My name has changed since then. So if anyone goes back and listens to episode 20, they're going to hear about Kate and Mike. And now they're hearing about Kate and Liam. And no, she didn't repartner. Um, I was just using my middle name then, and now I go by Liam. Perfect. Well, welcome, Liam. Thank yes. you. The, and thanks for the clarification. Yes, thank you for that. And we will make sure to, to make note of that as well. So do you mind introducing yourselves? Um, for anybody who's not familiar with who you two are and who didn't listen to episode 20, three and a half years ago. Um, <laughs> or may not remember episode may not remember. 20. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, we are Kate and Liam, and we've been writing the Monogamish Marriage blog since late 2015. Right. And um, we just recent, recently launched the Monogamish Marriage podcast, and um, we've been in the lifestyle for 10 years from the very beginning of our relationship. Even before we knew what the word lifestyle referred to. Yeah. So, yeah, that's us. And what does your relationship look like now? Like what form, I guess, what does non-monogamy look like for you right now? Well, we were classically swingers, although we didn't start that way because when we met, 
um, Kate said, or when we got together, Kate said, you know, I sometimes have sex with my best friend who is a woman and I want that to continue. I thought that's the most amazing thing I've ever heard. Sign me up. So we originally had threesomes with that person, not thinking about non-monogamy or the lifestyle or anything. Just this seemed like an amazing thing to do. And I'm sure we talked about it the last time, but just to quickly recap, that experience was so rich and so spiritual and so much the antithesis of the porn threesome scenario that I was just hooked on discovering everything that we could together as a couple in terms of rejecting the old paradigm of monogamy and seeing what two people could get up to together. So that first experience then turned into threesomes with uh, a male after that. And then we went to hedonism on a vacation and our minds exploded with (laughs) possibilities. So if we'd had the language for it at the very beginning, we probably would have called ourselves polyamorous back then. Um, because I loved my best friend and, you know, we had this relationship with her for a year and a half. And when that ended, we had a relationship with a single man for a year and a half. So these were not one-off kind of, you know, down to fuck situations. These were real relationships with people we really cared about and had long-term connections with. Um, but we didn't know what to call it back then. Um, so, you know, in our Google searching for what is this and how can, can we get more of it? we encountered the swinger community and kind of identified with that group. Although we've never been, you know, swingers in the the worst stereotypical sense of the word. Um, we're not like looking to put more notches on our belts. We really want to have connected, um, caring relationships with the people we share our lives and our bodies with. So yeah. Yeah. And I appreciate that. And I think maybe to, to sort of emphasize that if, if you're comfortable talking about it, like you, you mentioned Liam, that your first threesome experiences with, with Kate's best friend were the antithesis to the, what you see in porn. And so I maybe like talking about like the lead up to that first experience where you're probably like, Holy cow, this is actually going to happen. And then yeah. when it happens, like how, how it did play out versus, and you don't need to go into all the graphic details, but maybe just like the difference, like what made it so antithetical to the, the experiences that you were maybe assuming were going to happen. Well, I can give your listeners a snapshot and that is we're at a house I was renting at the time. Kate is in the bathtub with her friend, Melissa. They're talking about body image and in particular body hair. And their struggles with it. And I'm sitting on the closed toilet seat beside them, having this conversation, looking at two beautiful naked women talking in a very vulnerable about way about their insecurities and, you know, adding in when I could, but doing a lot of listening. And then I don't even know how that transitioned into sex. You probably start touching in the bathtub and then we're on the bed and then Melissa just goes to dance by herself because that's what she does. She's a hippie. And then she comes back and then, you know, it just flowed from there. But it it started in a kind of authentic exchange between three people who, two of whom were nude at that point. But that was almost like a side note to what was really going on if you could somehow measure the energy in the room. Right. And it sounds like that's sort of 
the type of energy that you two took forward then as you started to like maybe be not that you weren't intentional about this, but seek out further experiences as you move forward? Yeah, that became a non-negotiable for us. Like we're just not interested. Um, we don't have anything against it. It's just not us to have um, what Kate referred to as like a DTF down to fuck situation. Sounds awesome. Just doesn't happen to be who we are. Yeah. And we've definitely had casual sex with people, people we've maybe only physically connected with one time. Um, but those are people that we've maintained, you know, friendships with and connections with and, um, and really felt in the moment, like these are people we care about and deeply respect. And even if this never happens again, physically, we want to make sure that they feel cared for and respected. And, um, so that's been a, a big priority for us from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like moving through like the time that we talked to you three and a half, four years ago, it was, you were still sort of under the moniker of like monogamish. And we talked about that in the last episode and how like you, you, you shared a lot of experiences you've had. And, and I think my comment was something to the effect of like, well, it sounds a little more than monogamish, but you kind of talked about that in the context of your own relationship. And I'm just curious, like, how how has that maybe evolved since then or is it still sort of do you still sort of feel that it's the same sort of dynamic or like how has the relationship sort of changed over the last four years since we last talked yeah a lot, um, of, a lot of questions I, in one there i was going to say that was a lot <laughs> I'm answer first. um so i guess when we started out and you know named our our blog Um, that was before we even started having sex with other people. We were just, well, other than those threesomes, um, we were just exploring, you know, what is there beyond monogamy and, um, the hierarchical structure of, um, Liam being, you know, my one and only love, um, was very much alive then. And I think it still is, um, now, you know, no one is going to replace Liam as, you know, my primary partner. You know, we've built this beautiful life together. Um, and I don't imagine there's anyone who could disrupt that. Um, so everything we do launches from that foundation. And so we are, we have been, at least for the majority of our, um, journey kind of emotionally monogamous. So we have these deep friendships, real connections with the people we sleep with. But up until very recently, Liam is the only one I've said, I love you to. Um, so that has been a, a constant for the majority of our 10 years together. Yeah. If a video crew was following us around 24 seven, they would say, this is a very successful monogamous relationship, except that we're not monogamous. Right. 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 So on the outside, it does, it, it can appear as monog- monogamous, but when you peer behind the curtain a little bit, it's not. Right. And so saying, I love you to somebody else sounds like a very big transition shift. or a big <laughs> shift. Like how, like, how did you two build to that point? And like, what, what does that look like? Cause that's again, like, that is a big thing. That's something that we've experienced since we last talked as well. And mm-hmm. so like, we know what's behind that and how has that gone for you two? Yeah. Um, it's been, it's been an interesting kind of unplanned journey with the exception of the, the beginning. So 
Last February, we were talking about what's our sexual bucket list. So we were trying to write a a bucket list blog post. And in the process of writing that, I said, and maybe thought consciously for the first time, something that that became a really powerful image for me. And I said, I'd like to have um, the kind of relationship I had at the beginning of this with my best friend. So someone I really care for and love, someone I can have sex with, but also go out on dates with, you know, go to raves with, go to gallery openings with. I want to have a relationship with a woman. And that's where we started. And I had never been able to recapture that same kind of um, feminine energy since. And I realized it's something that I would really like to have. Yeah. And I also realized that that was something I really wanted her to have. So everything about the idea, rather than being something I had to acclimatize to, immediately, without thinking it through, struck me as, yes, what can we do to make that happen? What website can I sign you up to? Which didn't turn out to be necessary at all because real life intervened quite conveniently. But I just, in my heart, I thought the image of her in cottage country, walking hand in hand at a farmer's market with a woman she loves I like everything about that, not from a compersion standpoint even, but just a greedy, that fills me with pleasure, that idea. So I think that's what compersion is. Yeah, I guess so. But I just want to get get past it. It wasn't about me digging deep and finding a special level of generosity inside. It was really about my instinct was, this is great for me. Her having that kind of relationship would be great for me. Mm-hmm. So once I was able to visualize and express that, of course, it just walked into my life. I think, you know, these things kind of work that way where you, you kind of open the door to something and in walks the thing you are looking for that you might not otherwise have recognized before you had this vision of what you wanted. Right. But interestingly, it walked this this person walked into your life and right through your life without any attention. You had to see her a second time in order to realize what the universe had put right in front of you. <laughs> right. And, and yeah, I can so, hear all the I can hear all the people listening going, "Wow, that sounds so hard. You had right? to see her twice." <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's such a challenge yeah. that you. I'm, I can't imagine the struggle. So I'm just just giving you yeah. a hard time because we hear from so many people who are like yeah, we're open to this, but like, I can't, we've tried and tried and tried and we can't find people that we click with and we're on all the different apps and we can't match with anybody. And it's so difficult. Yeah. And you're like, well, we had to meet twice and, and it was a struggle. <laughs> well, one thing I really believe in, especially in this world is not forcing anything. So yeah. I didn't try to find someone, you know, Liam really wanted to get me on field or some sort of website where I could go actively search for this woman. And I said, I don't want it to happen that way. I don't want to go shopping for a woman. I want to meet someone and have an authentic, organic experience. And then just being open to that, you know, allowed it to happen, I think. So So we're talking in somewhat veiled terms, but it's not a secret, about April from Naughty Gym. Um, and so anyone who has seen the Naughty Gym accounts on Twitter or Instagram knows April is gorgeous, right? <laughs> She's so beautiful. Um, and so we first met them in May at Podcast Palooza in Miami. 
And as so often happens with women, I saw this other gorgeous woman and thought, Oh, she's scary. (laughs) She's intimidating because she's so beautiful. And her husband, Scott is like built and also gorgeous. And, um, so we just said a, a pleasant, casual hello to them, but both of us, I think, felt a tiny bit intimidated by them. And um, we didn't really um, connect on that trip. Um, thankfully, though, there was another trip a month later. So we met up again at Room 77, um, their takeover in Antigua. And that's where after, again, a week of kind of just saying pleasant hellos in the pool, Um, the last night there, we finally hooked up. We had a six with them and another couple. We had a lunch first that I think was important. Okay. You want to talk about the lunch? Well, just to say that we had, I think another one of those moments of spiritual connection, like these people who I might've thought as kind of one dimensionally fitness oriented people because they own a gym and they're super fit revealed just layer after layer, after layer, after layer of depth and, it was it was startling, actually. I, I think I said it during the lunch. I just did not see this coming. I did mm-hmm. not see you being those people. And you'd think by this stage in life, I would be used to not judging the book by the cover, but that's exactly what I had done. And um, and we our eyes were open to how amazing they were. And then there was a sexual get-together that night, and that was transformative. Yeah. So it was one of those um, kind of magical chemistry, electricity moments where, um, you know, I've had sex with lots of attractive women before, but with her, there was something intangible that was so different. And, um, we both felt kind of like physically dizzy after (laughs) like disoriented by what had just happened. And, um, yeah, after that one experience, we started chatting and she said, you know, I've never had anything like that happen before and I hadn't either. And so, um, we agreed to meet a couple weeks later again at naughty in new Orleans. And that just solidified the connection. Um, you know, that, that one time that we thought this is too crazy to be real was, was actually real. It turned out. And so, yeah, so we connected again at new Orleans so well that they, um, just spent a week at our house. So they're from Alabama. They traveled to chilly Toronto to spend new year's with us. And that's how we knew it was real love (laughs) (laughs) that they came to the winter. (laughs) People don't do that. People fly from where we are to warm places. They don't come here from right. Right. Not in the winter. (laughs) Not in the winter. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, you know what I would I would throw in too, you know, when you talk about the um, people that you've talked to who say, you know, I tried this site and that site and not found the person and you found them on the second try. I think one key um takeaway is that those people may have already met that special person. I think that's the lesson I learned. We met Scott in April in Miami and just said hello and a few words and pass them by. And it wasn't until a second time. So sometimes that person has already been in your life, but you haven't discovered what's special about them yet. Anyway, that's just what struck me as you were talking about that example. It's certainly something that I've taken to heart. Yeah. And I think maybe ironically, that's, that's what happened to us as well. Um, Hmm. we, we had a similar story and so we won't dive into it here, which will annoy everybody who's listening, (laughs) but uh, 
interview of us. Yes, that's true. <laughs> so, but we, we can say that, yeah, that's a very similar trajectory, surface level, similar trajectory of having met twice, kind of. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah. And so, so oh, you were going to ask a question. I was going to say, like, so how they came at New Year's. So I guess what... Um, what does the relationship look like now and, and what are you excited about moving forward? Well, um, on that trip while she was here, I, um, I blurted out, I love you to her, which was just one of those, (laughs) this is how I operate in the world, right? I just, I go around unfiltered and I just say all the things. And then later I think about them obsessively and wonder, was that the right thing to say? (laughs) But anyway, I was giving her a hug and it just came out of my mouth. I love you. And there was an instant like, you know, rewind, reel it in. What did you say? It's too early to say that. And then, you know, I lay in bed at night thinking about, did I, did I do this too quickly? Did I fall into that classic lesbian trap of falling in love instantly? But I realized that in a, in a situation like this, what would normally be a very scary thing to admit? So to say that I love you, um, it's easier now in this kind of poly arrangement because it doesn't really change anything about how we live our lives. So in the vanilla world, if I say, I love you, there are all kinds of weighty expectations that come along with that, right? So what does this mean now? Are we exclusive? Are we moving in together? Are we getting married? Are we having children? Like, are we committing to our lives together? But in this world, we can just say what comes out authentically in an unfiltered way and be real with our emotions. And it doesn't carry the same kind of weightiness. I mean, it's real. Those emotions are real, but it doesn't mean that she has to drop her life in Alabama and break up her marriage and, you know, throw her kids' lives into, you know, confusion. It just means that I can be real with her without worrying about what does this mean or where is this going to take us or what's the next step? I can just say, you know what, right now, hugging you, feeling your face pressed against my face, I love you. And I don't know what that means. It doesn't have to even mean that anything changes. I can just say how I'm feeling and not feel as afraid because I still have my life with Liam. And I still have the stability of our marriage and our home and our 10 years together. So it's kind of freeing. Like I can, I can just be real and say what I'm feeling and not worry about um, the consequences as much as I might in a different situation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That makes sense. Yeah. And how, I guess, what are you looking forward to moving forward? Well, I'm looking forward to seeing them again. <laughs> I mean, part of the the difficulty with this is that we live so far away. So it's not easy to, you know, just go to her house and hang out for the evening. We don't have that luxury. So we have to be conscious about planning trips where we can see each other. So I guess the next thing is they've come to us. Now we have to fly to Alabama um, and see them for a while and we're planning to um, to co-host a lifestyle takeover with them. So they're doing um, a lodge takeover in Montana in um, May. So we're going to be part of that. So we'll see them again there and we'll work together on that project. But I mean, what, I don't know, what does it mean? It doesn't well, really change anything fundamentally yeah. about my life. It just adds this lovely extra level of excitement and heart swelling, um, new relationship energy. And 
I have someone to chat with <laughs> on WhatsApp at night. Um, but neither one of us are big chatters. So even that doesn't happen all that often. So I don't know what it means. It's just, um, it's just one of the wonderful adventures that this lifestyle has taken us on. And there have been so many of them. Mm-hmm. This is just yeah. the most recent. I think yeah. one thing that might be interesting for people is that there is an asymmetry. So it's not like mm-hmm. we're a couple fell in love jointly with the opposite sex members of another couple, which is a phenomenal thing, almost defies physics in my experience, but it's amazing that it happens to people. Um, but in this case, what happened was Kate fell in love with April and I didn't fall in love with Scott or April, although I love them because they are amazing people and fascinating people and people that I want in my life. And we do have a great four-way sexual connection. Yes, but there have been two times, and we haven't seen them a lot, but there have been two occasions, once in New Orleans and once here, where I said to Kate, why don't you go and have a time with them? Because there was discussions about having sex at night, and I'm just not going to participate. And you you can go and enjoy your time with them, and I'm not going to feel jealous or left out. In fact, I'm appreciative of the fact that I have the flexibility to opt in and opt out. So that that might sound like a small thing, but it can breed certain feelings in people, I think, in terms of mm-hmm. wondering what my level of happiness is with the situation. But I actually couldn't be happier. I love having that flexibility and I'm not by nature a person who keeps score and needs to make sure that everything works out evenly for all of us. And if I actually share this part with you, especially in New Orleans, when Kate came back from spending four unbelievable, mind-blowing sexual highlight of her life hours with them, she and I had the greatest sex I've ever had as she not only recounted what she did, but reenacted what she did with Scott's body, with me. And there was just another layer of intensity there. So I actually benefited. I didn't do it to benefit. I just happened to benefit. It's like that idea of you, you do the right thing and good things follow. And that was definitely a case of that. So I like not having a program or a plan and just discovering all of these amazing experiences that we couldn't have planned for if we tried. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And I, I appreciate that. And you kind of touched on some things that I was going to ask about, but I think maybe still worth having a conversation on them is the, the asymmetry, especially around NRE and the, yeah. I think like we've, ex- we experienced it together like at the same nice. time, because we did, we did fall into that physics defying relationship with another couple. Yeah. And so we were going through the NRE at the same time. And so maybe I'm up late texting. Well, she's also up late texting. And so right. there's not one of us sitting around twiddling our thumbs like, well, hey, remember when we used to talk now and now you're talking <laughs> to somebody else. And, and right. so I think like, maybe it's like kind of a couple part question. The first is like, have you have you guys come up against like jealousy or, or difficult emotions like that leading up to this point? And since you've hit this point of like going deeper and a stronger connection has, has that come up since then? 
Well, we had an interesting situation, which is actually going to be the subject of our next blog post, where we had the classic unicorn experience in the lifestyle. So two girls, a single girl, plus Kate, plus me, back in November, I think it was. And it was fantastic. She was a much younger woman, and but we had met her. Someone else had invited her to one of our parties, and we both um, uh, struck up a rapport with her kind of instantaneously. So we invited her to the house. That went really well. Then she and I interacted a bit online, and I said to Kate, you know what? I would like to go on a date with Tanya sometime. I think that could be really exciting for Actually, me. I'm the one who suggested it first. Well, uh, yeah, I forget that you suggested it because then you ended up being the one who had a problem with it. I had a problem with the parameters of it. <laughs> okay. Well, share the parameters that were a problem for you. Well, so they had a great sexual connection and um, Liam had wanted to take some photographs of her. And we just didn't get around to doing it that night. So I said, well, maybe you could go and take some photos, you know, and have, you know, a sexual time with her alone. So I was okay with that. Those parameters were all right with me. But then he extended it to, oh, we should get a hotel room and stay over together. And I was like, hold on again. (laughs) You know, again, the breaks in my mind. Because as soon as he crossed the line from sex to I'm going to sleep in the same bed with her, all of a sudden my jealousy rose up and I was like, wait, 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 wait. That sounds way more intimate than I'm comfortable with. Like you can fuck her all you want, but you cannot sleep in the same bed and snuggle with that girl. (laughs) So, (laughs) So it's funny what brings up jealousy in this world, right? The things that you would think from the outset, like actually seeing him put his cock in her, I'm, I'm happy for that. I'm, I'm celebratory of that, right? But thinking about him snuggling with her, that really makes me feel insecure. So um, it was interesting that, you know, Liam is so generous and so not jealous that, um, you know, he can let me fall in love with April and be giddy about that. And, um, but as soon as he suggests that maybe he would like a little reciprocity, <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> Yeah, which brought up something really important to me, which is I think reciprocity is a big problem or the expectation of reciprocity in the lifestyle. Like, like I'm secretly keeping tab of all the amazing things she's done because guess who gets to cash them in eventually (laughs) on an amazing experience for himself. And I just think that's wrong. Anything I've agreed to with Kate is on its own merits and not because of anything it might imply about a future benefit to me. So this was a case. So I was, you know, and when we talked it through, eventually I realized, what would I be doing sleeping with Tanya? I barely sleep with you. We're in a king-size bed. We're about three feet apart every moment of the night. I don't sleep with any, I barely sleep with you, except that we happen to be in the same room. Um, So I thought, yeah, I'm not going to do that with Tanya. But it was just interesting as a thought experiment and the ideas and feelings that it brought up in the two of us, I think, were very interesting. The conversation was great. Of course, that's not really the question Finn asked. (laughs) He was asking about, have there been any problems or jealousy in this journey of me falling in love with April and you not having the same journey at the same time? How have you felt about that? Can I interrupt, though, and and ask a question about reciprocity? And I think maybe it it does sort of lead into this, which is... Because you bring up a really good point there. Yeah, it's it's a great point, but 
now I'm curious, like after that experience, Liam, did that then impact maybe your conversion or your level of like, I don't know, the willingness to allow is a horrible phrase, but like your, your compersion, your excitement for her to go and do the things that she had maybe a problem with you doing where you weren't doing them originally to get that out of, out of the experience. But now you can look back and be like, well, I, it wasn't okay for me, but I'm still okay with it for you. Or did that, did that start to then like, yeah, I mean, like any, some neg- resentment? any yeah. negative feelings around Kate going now that you did, weren't able to do what you wanted to do? No, because I, I really saw that as a test of the idea. So it's one thing to say, hey, I'm judging your opportunity on its own merits and I'm not going to keep score. Now I have a chance to prove that I'm really not going to keep score. So it came naturally for me to say, no, I get it. You're on it. You are an individual human being on a different journey from me. However much our our wagons are tied together, you're still an individual. And I don't expect because I have a feeling or a comfort level with something that that necessarily implies that you either do or have to. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's impressive (laughs) (laughs) because it would be, it's so easy to go to that place of like, oh yeah, I was totally okay with it. And then it wasn't okay for me. And like, now I'm like, not as okay with it. Even if you, you are on the surface, like, okay with the act, like it's harder to get okay when it wasn't okay for you. At least it is a struggle for me at times. Yeah. So I think for me, I have, I, I am a really secure, insecure person. So (laughs) I def, I have insecurities. Like if we want to do a separate podcast on my insecurities, if you're, if you're just the many insecurities searching for content sometimes we can take an hour or two or three and go through my insecurities. But weirdly enough, fortunately enough, this isn't one of them in a relationship. I'm just, frankly, there's almost nothing she could do that I not only wouldn't mind, but would actually love. So I think the ultimate is if she came home and said, I met a really hot guy at the grocery store and we fucked in the washroom. And I know we've never discussed that. And I'm sorry, but I couldn't help it. I would just feel like, Oh, all my dreams are coming true right now. Like, this is something <laughs> I fantasize about. So thank you, babe. So I just don't know. And you know, the, the weird thing is I always think, you know, like the, better looking, the more accomplished he, the taller he is than me, just you name it, it's somehow better for me. And I'm not a cuckold humiliation kind of guy. I just, but I'll tell you what it is. Sexual freedom and agency in a woman goes right to my libido like a bomb and explodes there because I think I grew up thinking like maybe a lot of people do or a lot of men do that Women, just not that into sex. And that was certainly the experience in my home growing up, the experience in my first marriage. So now anytime I see Kate enthusiastic about sex, not sex with me because I'm her husband, it's kind of her job, but in a situation where there is no social benefit, just the pure pursuit of lust, that's just, I've got all day for that kind of thing. Yeah. And so do you think if, and and maybe I I would assume knowing you that you've had this thought experiment go through your head, if, if April were a guy, Mm -hmm. would you have the same 
level of that was like, gonna be my question yeah, too <laughs> conversion like yeah i'm all for it she's in love with another guy now or would that be a different level of of challenge, challenge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I said to him at the time, you know, if Tanya was a man, I think I would be okay with this, but because she's a gorgeous 28 year old woman, I'm feeling my own shit about that. So, um, yeah, so definitely on my side, I think the feeling would have been different if Liam said, I want to go on this date with a man and have this whole experience. Um, but sorry, go ahead. Answer the question. Anytime I hear about a situation where there are two men, two men and a woman, I, I am immediately turned on. Like to the point where I just hearing their story, I get hard in a way that I don't, if I'm looking at porn, trying to get turned on. <laughs> so there's something about that scenario that just, um, just appeals to me. And I think it relates to what I said earlier. So I think if he had been a guy and, Again, he had been several things that I'm not. I would have loved it. I think I would have been equally enthusiastic. Of course, you don't really know till you're in the situation. But my sure. intuition is that that's, that's something that I would have been equally happy about. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. And I, like you said, it's not something you can know until you're in it. But, you know, to think through it, like you can kind of you can kind of think through that. And what does your body do? Does your heart start rate? Like, right. You can kind right. of think through that. And obviously Kate kind of was able to think like, Oh yeah, it's a different for me if it was uh, a man versus a woman. So yeah, I appreciate yeah. that. And I just want to add too that none of this is to my credit. Like these are innate feelings. I didn't work very hard in therapy to overcome feelings of possessiveness and jealousy and came out on the other side a very compulsive individual. Um, this is just me waking up in the morning. That's somehow who I am. Whereas yeah. I am full of insecurities and, you know, just went through my whole life feeling like I have nothing to offer. I don't know why people would ever like me. Um, you know, I am just deeply unhappy with my body and how I look. And um, yeah, so for me, I feel like I've got a lot more, um, I don't know, stuff to push through in this life. Um, you know, my, my own insecurities, my own inner critic is just so strong and just never turns off. And, um, so yeah, so that definitely comes into play when we're talking about my jealousies, because when I think of him sleeping with this woman who, you know, again, 28 years old, like national level sprinter with an ass to show for it. Um, <laughs> I feel insecure about, well, how does my body match up? And, you know, I'm 45, I'm looking okay for 45, but I'm still like not this girl. Um, so yeah, so my insecurities are a huge part of the reservations I have. And it's nothing to do with Liam. Like he, he's done nothing but proved to me over the past 10 years that he loves me and is going to come home to me and, um, you know, nothing is going to disrupt that. So, you know, as you know, people have said in so many different platforms, jealousy is just a signal to you about where your weak, weak points are, where your areas for improvement are. Um, so it has nothing to do with him and everything to do with my own shit, which okay. I'm still working to get over. Can I add something else mm -hmm. about the age thing, particularly? How old was the woman who sent me to the moon with arousal? 
and we were at Hedo. <laughs> she was like 70. <laughs> I think she was 64. She thinks she was 70, so we saw it off at 67. But the most term, the most turned on I have been in a lifestyle experience in our 10 years was with, let's say, a 67-year-old woman at hedonism. I'm just like, I was turned on out of my mind because it turns out that age isn't a big deal with me. It's attitude and maybe you'd even say a sense of erotic style. And when those things are right, it actually doesn't matter. So maybe that's why the 28-year-old, I don't think wow, I'm going to be with a 28-year-old. It's just like, oh, she's a really great person. And Tanya is a really great person. But the fact that she's 28 and has the ass of a national-level sprinter is kind of like, okay, that's kind of nice to have. That's something worth talking about. But it is not the central issue for me at all. Yeah, Yeah. it makes sense. And I think it's, I appreciate you putting it into context and into words, right? Because there is, yeah, there's obviously something fun about that and something exciting about that, but that's not like if all she was was a nice ass, then like right. you're probably not going to be that interested because yeah. you're the type of person who needs more than that. Right. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing I wanted to give you both the opportunity to talk about is a shift in sexual your sexuality over the last few years uh, and your know, exploration in that. Right. Yeah, so we wrote an article about male bisexuality in the lifestyle called The Lifestyle Has a Big B-I and then G in brackets problem. So the lifestyle has a bi problem. And the bi problem... That was five years ago, I think? Yeah, I think so. So the bi problem was that it's super cool for women to be bi. In fact, it's more than super cool. It's expected. And... As for the men, though, they all happen to be 110% straight. Isn't that fascinating how that played out mathematically? So um, so that just struck me as wrong. And I was thinking at the time about you know really wanting to experience everything there was in life to offer. And I can imagine, I don't know when the time would be, 30, 40 years ago, female bisexuality wasn't very common because it just wasn't in the media the way it is today. And so, but that changed, and now it's a fulfilling part of a lot of women's lives, certainly the woman that I'm closest to. It's a big part of her life. And I thought, imagine me, I get to 80 years old. Now every guy's by. They're just sucking cocks left, right, and center and <laughs> loving it. And I feel like, why did I was around hundreds of cocks in my time? Why did I never do that? Because I was held back by the schoolyard taunts that I was socialized with to never be called a fag, to never be called gay. So it was it was like a thought experiment where I said, I've got to just be open because if I wait for my natural lust to guide me, that may never happen because that lust might have been socialized out of me. But I'm going to be open to it happening. And so I remember the first time I sucked a cock, it was just like, there it is. <laughs> he actually was on a website and said he was by one of the few at the time. So I'm just going to do this. So I just did it. So there was no lust there was no joy in it but a sense of i'm of breaking down a barrier that was there and so i started talking about it more and then people started to come out of the closet so to speak to say oh by the way we don't say this on our uh profile but i'm by or i'm open to that thing that you mentioned on your profile because they can't actually name it themselves and so i just step by step became more 
open to it. And then this year has been a big transformation because now the lust part is there. Now I, I'm here to tell your <laughs> listeners, I love it. It's fantastic. <laughs> and so, um, so, you know, it kind of, it gives some people trouble when they think, oh, well, you know, we spent years trying to say, you know, you are who you are sexually and that can't change. So don't try to talk people out of being gay, which I certainly agree with like a thousand percent. But I also believe that certain experiences or opennesses, if I can say that, can be cultivated. And so that's what I did. I decided to cultivate um, a particular kind of um, attraction. And it's, I'm here to say, it actually worked because now it's a big part of how we relate to other couples. Mm-hmm. Well, it's almost like you had to work through that shame and let go of the, sh- the societal shame, personal shame, and, and that took some time. Mm-hmm. Yes, it definitely did. It was a journey. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and to your point, right? Like, what if what if that lust was socialized out of you, right? And and maybe just to kind of point out that, like, I don't like the phrase "fake it till you make it." Like, mm-hmm. kind of came to mind. Like, you tried mm-hmm. it, then you tried it again, then you tried it again, and like it finally started to be something you were interested in. And I don't know that maybe like you can teach yourself to be bisexual. I really don't know. I'm just like, mm-hmm. but maybe perhaps what exactly what you thought had happened is it was sort of socialized out of you and you just locked it away. And like you said, some of the people you were talking to couldn't even say what it was like, right. Hey, we're interested well, that's much, in, that's how much yeah. shame is built. Exactly. Up. Yeah. We're interested yeah. in that thing. Like, well, what thing, you know, the thing, like, I, I don't know what thing you're talking about. Like, <laughs> I, so, I could have yeah. made, made it very hard on them for sure. But yeah. I didn't. I'm a kind of a gentle person. So <laughs> I said, I get, I hear you. I get what you're saying. But now it's interesting that, that, you know, so now we're way more out about it. We did a, um, a, a podcast on the subject, and we did a seminar at Podcast of Palooza in uh, Dallas in November, and it was very well attended. Now we can't find a non-bi guy, so we were we were hooking up with a couple at Hedonism just before Christmas, and he was as straight as the day is long, you would think, except we had one of those conversations on the way to the playroom. Hey, by the way, just uh, so you know, in fact. I might have even been between the woman and you. Maybe he didn't even say it to me. It kind of came through circuitous. Anyway, he seemed to have a great time. And our friends who, you know, some of whom would I would have thought of as the straightest um, men that you've ever, ever want to meet. Well, men, men who had in the past kind of made fun of other men who... Um, you know, would touch each other at parties. Well, not made fun, but would act like shocked, like, what is going on? So Yeah, yeah. like it would be one of those things to whisper about, like, can you believe at the last party he touched him? Um, so these guys um, have quietly come out to us. Um, and, you know, at different places, different um, stories have emerged. And it's interesting to see that these men who you would guess would be you know, who have a problem with it just based on how they've talked about it in the past, um, really want it. And now that they have this outlet where they feel like here's a receptive audience, they can talk about what they want. And, and one of the men, you tell the story about the weight lifted. (laughs) Yeah. So one friend in particular, who's the one that Kate was referring to, who said, can you believe like Colin was actually 
giving another guy oral at this party that we hadn't been at. So, oh, okay, that's interesting. So I'm well along in my bi journey. So I think, oh, that's great. Remind me to like check out Colin the next time. <laughs> but we, um, but he said to me at a at another event again that we weren't at. This guy Colin was there, and another friend of his who was um, very unapologetically bisexual. So this friend sucked that guy's cock and he said when i did i felt 20 years of weight lifted off my shoulders and i heard that 20 years i didn't have 20 years of weight coming off my shoulders and i had a journey and so it just goes you know to show you again kind of circling back to the idea of judging a book by its cover like you just have no clue what's going on in the minds and the hearts of the people even that you felt close to I felt close to him. We have a relationship. We get together for breakfast all the time. We share all kinds of things the way that non-monogamous people do because sex is a thing that we're very comfortable talking about, but not that aspect of sex. And it's interesting because so many people have told us, you know, the, the um, non-monogamous community, the swinger community is so judgmental. That's why I can't mention being bi. So I heard that and kind of bought into it. A bit of that is in that first article we wrote. But... I've received nothing but just approval, enthusiasm, just all the affirmation you could ever want. It turns out that that was just um, a mirage, that idea that there's, it's just everyone else is convinced that everyone else has a problem with it. But it turns out no one seems to have a problem with it. Right. Yeah. And I think what it does, I mean, like, I just want to extend a lot of gratitude to you yeah. for like, it's scary, right? Like there is so much stigma around it. Right. And you talk about the profiles that you read through and it's, I'm 110% straight. I'm 150% straight. And it's like, okay. And like, there's nothing, there's nothing about that that doesn't shame somebody who, who isn't. And, right. and so you have to go out on this limb and say like, you know what, I'm going to take the risk. I'm going to take the risk and do this. And then I'm going to start being me. And when you start doing that, the walls sort of start to come down around it. And I think like sort of being that change agent is really impressive. So I appreciate, I appreciate you doing that. Well, thanks. It turned out to be, and I just encourage anyone else, it turns out to be a risk without a cost. So yeah. there just was nothing there on the other side. So I would encourage anyone who's kind of thinking in that direction or about their own thing, which doesn't have to be bisexuality, but it's something else they feel like people won't approve of. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a remarkable community. And as long as, you know, it's ethical and consensual, then you're going to find people, I think, very supportive. Certainly that's been the case for me. Well, yeah. it's yeah. a, it's a good litmus test of, the people you're thinking about spending time with too, right? So if I, you know, we hardly ever go online to look for people anymore, but if I see a profile that says I'm 110% straight, I'm just going to keep scrolling. I don't want to spend time with that person. Um, so for us, it's been really nice to have that confirmed that the, all the people in our lives who have been there for a long time, yeah, who you know? we thought were straight, <laughs> um, who maybe even talked in slightly derogatory um, ways about people who weren't, turns out all of them, like a hundred percent of them are open to this. So even before we were using this as one of the measures of what kind of people we wanted to spend time with, that openness was there in the friends we already had. Right. Um, so yeah, so it's just a, it's an easy way to weed out the people who are 
who are more closed than, than we want to spend time with. Right. Yeah. And I'm just curious and more for, for laughs than anything, how, what percentage of the 110% straight guys do you think are, are actually straight? Oh, probably 85%. (laughs) (laughs) Actually straight. No, Yeah. no, like maybe like 15%. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I will make this promise though. As soon as I meet a non-guy, non-bi guy in a play situation, I will definitely let you guys know because we can't find one until last year. Like we just can't find. One. At least, at least, no one that's like not open to it, like not open to experimenting, what? right? And being yeah. and just seeing what's there. And yeah, well, what they're doing, what they're doing is taking a chance because we, you know, so this couple of hedonism, we said, hey, I'm bi, but like I can, ha- I'm also. I enjoy straight sex a lot. So I don't need this to make this work. And so he had to take an extra step beyond that. I let him off the hook. He was off the hook. But no, he wanted to experience it. So he took a risk and and did that. So people are willing to um, to put themselves out there and not just merely kind of passively accept it. We're, what we're finding is people saying, no, I actually want this. Now that you've kind of taken the lid off, I want to experience what's in there. And all of their wives love it. Oh, that's another fact. <laughs> the women are on the side like, yes, more of this. Right? <laughs> all the stops and the women all turn to watch the guys <laughs> giving each other heads. So, yeah, it's great. Yeah, just the way we associate <laughs> with, you know, men love seeing women together. And I didn't think, I thought that was a gender-specific reaction. That Well, that's a real man thing. I always think back to... Um, was it on Friends? Was it Chandler's offering to pay money to Monica and Rachel if they would kiss? So I think of that in like 1997 or whatever that was. But you think, oh, that's just a guy thing. But I'm just here to tell you, no, it's at least Girls like for, it too. At least for yes. the women me and many of the women we've been with, yeah, it's it's, it's just less it's less commonly talked about or demonstrated in open spaces, I think. And that's sure. like, thank you for being, uh, changing that, doing your part to change mm-hmm. that, because it's something that we've noticed, of course, in, in the swinging lifestyle as well. And just in it, it's, we, there is, it is a double standard. And so it's important that, um, by men also have, have a place and a voice. And so thank you for, for, um, making that happen and, and being advocates for that. Yeah. And my hope is, I know we've given some shit to the guys with that in their profile. My hope is mm-hmm. two things happen. One, the guys who are bisexual and have that in their profile are able to hear this and be okay with that. And the guy, remove it. Yeah. To be able to remove it. And the mm-hmm. guys who are actually straight are now afraid that having that in their profile is a sign that they're bi and they'll take it down too. And so we've just, <laughs> we've just eliminated it across the board and we won today. So, I, and that's all, all thanks to you, Liam. I appreciate it. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. Who knew we were changing the world today? We always try. I know, but you don't always succeed. True. True. <laughs> one one last question before we wrap and give you the opportunity to like talk a little more about your blog and your podcast and everything coming along. The last time we talked uh, was very early on in this. We had no idea what we were doing. It's amazing that we were even able to make a podcast out of our conversation. <laughs> right. 
But with but hundreds one of, the, of episodes, that's right? unbelievable now. what you guys have accomplished. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but one of the questions we didn't ask back then was about bloopers. And so if you happen to have a blooper uh, that you would be interested in sharing, we would love to hear it. Or maybe two if you can't narrow it down. Um, and then give you the opportunity to talk about anything that we haven't talked about yet that was on your minds and to plug all of the awesome work you're doing. That was just a lot. I know. <laughs> Go and, and remember everything he said. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, surprisingly, in 10 years of sleeping with lots of people, there are very few negative experiences or even comical ones. Like almost everything has been great. So just let's make that plug for this lifestyle. We've we've hardly had any negative experiences, but there have been a couple of notable ones. Well, I want to talk about an experience that we had with you two guys. So way back in the beginning when we met you in 2018. So I don't know uh-huh. if you'll remember all of these details the way that I do, <laughs> but we talked about insecurities earlier. So I'm just a boatload of insecurities. So so Kate can have sex with whoever and how many, how many ever other people she wants to, but I walk around with a sense that women are not into me at all. In fact, their fondest hope in a lifestyle situation is that that Liam guy, please, Lord Jesus, don't let him put a hand on me. So when we were together with you two guys... Kate had sex with Finn and loved it. I, however, remember being in the hot tub next to Emma and like a nervous middle schooler, edging my thigh over closer, 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 a little bit closer. I think I just grazed her thigh. And that might have been my only contact with you, who is my type to a T. Everything about you turns me on. I could not touch you because I just had it so in my mind that that you would go, oh, please, like, make this end as fast as possible. And I can tell you, it's only in the last couple of months I have begun to think that, oh, maybe my attention would actually be welcomed by a woman. So, so that's not a blooper per se, but I look back with kind of some embarrassment on that situation with you and with other people. And it's partly thinking, oh, does that woman think, oh, he's not attracted to me when the total opposite is true? It just turns out I needed a gilded invitation, preferably signed off by a notary public. <laughs> my attention would be warranted. So yeah. yeah, so that's what comes to mind. Like in a way, my lifestyle experience has been a string of bloopers, much like the situation I just described. Yeah. And I just want to comment real quick. I am naturally very shy. And so I I remember being in the hot tub as well and like just all of the same thoughts going through my head. And so then it's like, it it doesn't go anywhere because we're both thinking the same thing and very (laughs) nervous and shy. And, but I remember like I had a great evening anyway, like I had so so much fun, so much fun with you. So um, but yeah, it's it's funny when you have those 
those stories in your head. And <laughs> well, and I, I'm rarely in a situation like this where I actually get to look at the person and tell them what was really going on in my head. Because usually these things just happen and they're left to conclude whatever. And, you know, I, I don't mean to come across like I've never had great sexual experiences with women. I have. I've had some great ones, but I've had many, like the situation with you, Emma, where I just, I can't get past my suspicion that you really aren't interested in me, even though you did everything right. You were just like your friendly, charming, beautiful self that whole time we were together. Well, that's well, not the I was thinking of. That wasn't yeah. a <laughs> Well, thank you for for sharing, Liam. I do want to say that. I really appreciate you sharing that. And um, yeah, it's, it's, I have very fond memories of, of, uh, of meeting you two in that night together. So, yeah. yeah. Well, just to to end on um, a slightly lighter note, there was a time at a party where Liam was having one of those rare successes with a woman and we were on a big bed and he was on top fucking her and he felt something on his ass and her husband had come along and emptied like an entire squeeze bottle of lube on Liam's ass and and the man was drunk and we don't know exactly what his plan was um but it put a bit of a a wrench in the works um (laughs) it's a little distracting lube in one of those like ketchup type dispenser (laughs) bottles so if you can picture that and he was eight feet away when he squirted on the ass. <laughs> he just walking back and went squish, and this thing arced across the room and landed on my ass. So, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing, <laughs> and very like yeah, distracting, and well, takes you out I of think, that moment. I think the move yeah, is like, you reach you back, back <laughs> right? You you reach back and you you swipe it all up, and then you just use it to keep going. <laughs> I think that's yeah, the, that that's been, the move. That's that would have been a move, right? That there. would have been a James Bond move. Yeah, I did not have that in my repertoire. But next time, next time, I'm now ready. So thank you. I think the James Bond move would have been to catch it as he oh, squirted it, yes, and just straight like you thought you were going to get yes. me, but you didn't. Yes, you got that the eyes in the back of your head thing yeah. going on. You just got to know. So I hope your listeners appreciate what an educational service you offered. I imagine you just throw down like pro tips like this all the time on the normalizing on the podcast so we're just getting a, a glimpse of it now it's awesome yeah if only i were capable of executing any of them <laughs> right? uh, they're all just this fantasy world i live in where we, I'm we just, try well, but <laughs> well those who can do and those who can't you know how that ends. we just we just talk about it we tell other people yeah, yeah. do as i say not as i do right yeah <laughs> well okay, so thank you you, you oh, asked Sorry. Yeah. No? You asked about other things that we have going on. Yeah. So, yes. Um, We'd love so to hear. We do our blog, which was what started it all in 2015. And we've written now 96 articles, I think, over the years, all kind of long form articles. We put a lot of sweat and tears into each one of those and um, sometimes conflict between the two of us. Mm-hmm. We started the podcast. So now we're seven episodes into that. It started just in September 2021. and we're very excited about it. And then we have coming up in February, the launch of a video training course. So that is going to be a big step for us because our faces are going to be out there in a way that they have not been in the past. But we really feel compelled um, to let people know about this life we've lived and that it's a possibility. So I talked about you know the idea of being 80 years old and finding out, oh, now everyone's by and I somehow missed the boat. And I think through to 
other people that the chance that they would get to 80 years old and find, find out that there was a completely different way to organize their romantic lives, that they didn't have to say, oh, it's a trade-off. You either take security or sexual freedom, but you can't have both. So because we've lived it, we want to let other people know about it. And a course seems to be the best way to do that. So we're very excited about it. You can also find us on social media at monogamish1 on Twitter, The Monogamish Marriage on Instagram, and Liam underscore versus underscore time on Instagram, where Liam um, gets really vulnerable and open and shows his face and his ass and all the things. So, um, <laughs> all the things Instagram will let me show. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. And and links to everything you just mentioned are in the show notes so people can Excellent. find those and they don't have to try to mad madly write those down while they're driving. Um, <laughs> right. So, yeah, thank you. Th- oh, you go ahead. I uh, say so thank you both for sharing everything that you did today and for uh, an update. On, I mean, it's been three and a half years. It's quite a, quite some time, and it's exciting. And to, a lot's changed. And a lot's changed. It's exciting to hear all about it. So thank you very much for sharing and for well, all of the you. amazing work that you are doing as well. Yeah. Now, I want to say one thing in closing, too. You know, there are yes. only three podcasts that we are Patreon supporters of. And normalizing non-monogamy is one of them. We so believe, like we love you as people, but we so believe in what you're doing and and we're happy to support that and happy for people to know that. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. Incredibly kind. <laughs> and we we I think we just can't overstate like this the value that, that support is for us. So yeah. yeah, thank you both. Right. And um have a fantastic afternoon evening i forgot what time it is it's evening here we're in the same we're in the time same time so (laughs) have a have a wonderful evening and uh we will talk soon thanks guys thank you thank you and we're back a huge thank you again to kate and liam for being vulnerable with us and sharing your story we loved the conversation and we hope all of you did as well just a quick reminder go check out their work monogamish at the monogamish marriage blog and podcast links are in the show notes go check it out it's amazing as well yeah thank you kate and liam for all of your work for coming on and for supporting our work from the very, very beginning before we were even a real podcast. So, I know. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And yeah, as Emma said, go check out their amazing writing and their work as well. A quick reminder, go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. There you will find podcast show notes, including links to the monogamish marriage, and you will find community events um, to sign up for our virtual events, virtual meet and greets, or our in-person events in California or in now in September in New Orleans. Go sign up there. And the last thing you can do while you're there, which is one of our favorite things to do, we do it almost every week. <laughs> I'm lying. We don't. We do it every quarter-ish, every half a year. We get tested for STIs, and the way that we do it is we use stdcheck.com. It is an affiliate partner of the show, so using the links not only saves you $10, it also helps support the show financially. So we are very grateful and appreciative of that. It is fast. It is simple. It is pretty affordable at about $130 for a 10-panel test when you use the links on our website. And... It's our favorite way to get tested, and we've gotten feedback from many other people that it is their favorite way as well. So check that out. Thank you in advance for being awesome sexual health advocates and for supporting the show. Yes, thank you. Next up, we do have a Focus Friday episode coming out this Friday, and it is going to be with Marie, all about compersion. 
We're super excited for this conversation, and we hope it's, it was extremely beneficial for us to learn more about compersion, the history of it, and just how to foster it. Right, how to foster it. So come back, check it out on Friday and listen. And then next week, we have our regular scheduled interview with John. Yes, I agree with all of those facts. <laughs> we will see you all on Friday, and then we will see you again next week. Thank you so much for listening and for supporting our work. Have a fantastic rest of your week. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.